Aloha, y'all. You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to make everyone aware we launched a new website. It's www.thesustainableangler.com. You can find all previous episodes. We've got a blog going with some uh, DIY sustainability tips as well as uh, fishing stories and, and things around the industry. And we also have some The Sustainable Angler merch. So uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, give us a, a rating and review and pick up some uh, TSA merch. All right. After that shameless plug, uh, I'm excited to share with y'all today uh, that Captain Chad DuBose is on the show. Uh, Chad's an old buddy of mine. We're both from Savannah. Um, and today's episode is all about redfish, uh, specifically in the state of Georgia and what's happening with their regulations and, and limits. Um, I learned a ton on this show. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, so just up the road, but um, we have different redfish regulations here and it was, uh, it was pretty enlightening. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies. Choosing the right company to guide you on your sustainability journey can be difficult. You want to work with people you can trust who have similar values and can help you achieve your sustainability goals. At Emerger Strategies, we are in business to protect what we love. We love our community, clients, and families. We are grateful for our public lands, rivers, and oceans. We are passionate about fishing and spending time in the wild, and we want to protect our home of Charleston, South Carolina from rising sea levels. If your company is looking for like-minded sustainability professionals to help your company measure and improve its sustainability performance, contact us today to learn why Garden & Gun named us one of the 15 people, places, and ideas forging the South of tomorrow please visit www.emergerstrategies.com to get started today. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, I uh, grew up here in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I've been in the quote-unquote outdoor industry since I was 16 years old. I just turned the lovely age of 37. Um, worked in various outdoor shops climbing shops, climbing companies, fly shops. Um, Got into fly fishing back in 2011 when I moved out west um, and uh, moved to Montana, became a fly fishing guide um, and did that for about six, seven years um, and then decided to move back home to Savannah when I realized that I could kind of fish year round here, um, chase my local um, state redfish um, state fish of Georgia, which is the redfish, um, and target them year round as opposed to being chased off by winter every year in Montana. So did that back in 2016, um, moved back full time, spent a few years, um, kind of running the local fly shop, still do that. And, uh, you know, getting my sea legs back under me on the coast where I grew up fishing and, uh, launched tall tides charters. Um, 2000 and late 2018, early 2019. Um, and I kind of run that part-time with a few other part-time guides, uh, along the Georgia, you know, coast and a little bit of the South Carolina coast as well. Um, but when I moved back from, um, Montana, I kind of, you know, Montana is known for, um, just having an incredible fishery, but also just good, uh, kind of sustainable wildlife program when it comes to wildlife in and out of the water um people really care about their their fisheries and their um their water quality and stuff like that in montana and moving back to georgia um i felt like with my experience and seeing the issues that i was starting to see being on the water more as an adult um it was kind of time to start you know some action and trying to you know work on the the future of our our local inshore fishery along the Georgia coast. Um, and so that's kind of 
been highlighted over the last year with the Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association, starting with a Facebook page and just me getting on and kind of ranting a little bit about responsible fishing and sustainable fishing and um, just trying to figure out how we can get the conversation started on how to work on bettering our local inshore fishing. And so, yeah, so that, that, that's awesome. And, and thank you for that. Um, and so let's, let's, let's sort of dive in. So you, you started Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association and, and, and you mentioned this, we, we, you know, you, you and I, we, we've talked about this. We've kind of lived parallel lives in, in, in some degree of being from Savannah both and moving out West and getting into fly fishing. And you, you know, as I'm sure you can relate and, and, and like you just said, you know, I mean, you spend time out in national parks and on public lands and people really are, are, um, they're really defenders of, of those places and those waters and, and the fish and, um, and then you move back to Georgia. And so walk, walk me through that. What are, what are some of the things that when you came back to Georgia or Savannah, um, that you kind of noticed with, with redfish and sort of how, how, and, and why you started the Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association? Yeah. So, you know, moving back, um, I immediately became a, a member of CCA, Coastal Conservation Association, which anyone that grew up along the coast in Georgia or many other coasts, because it's a national organization um, that's kind of um, always been after, you know, conserving coastal, not just fish populations, but just coastal um, health along coastlines and whatnot. Um, so there's a, you know, sticker of a redfish with CC on it that growing up you saw on everybody's truck because it was a cool sticker to have. And so as soon as I got back, I was asked to join and um, I did and join the board and um, quickly just for my eagerness made my way onto the state board and um, have been working closely with CCA over the last, you know, five or six years since I've been back in Georgia. And um, like with any you know, big nonprofits, there's, there's a lot of things always on the agenda, but one of the things that I noticed was, um, with fishing here as well was, you know, looking at the number of redfish you can keep in Georgia per angler per boat, um, compared to our other neighboring States, um, is, you know, much larger, you know, Florida, you can keep one to two, depending on where you are in the state with the larger slot, South Carolina, you can keep now only two. Um, with a slot that's pretty similar to ours here in Georgia. Um, but yet we have one of the smaller coastlines, North, North Carolina's two fish as well. Um, but also per size of the state, we have the smallest coastline. So there's, you know, a lot more people within our state traveling to our 90 mile coastline to fish, um, specifically in our busier cities on the northern and southern tips of the state, Savannah and, you know, St. Simon's Brunswick area. Um, so being out of Savannah and starting a charter business and fishing here, and um, I, I do practice catch and release, but I also grew up fishing in Georgia um, and have eaten plenty of redfish. And I, you know, the big, the big message here is, you know, I don't think that we should not keep redfish. Um, it's really just trying to evaluate where we are um, since the last time we had regulatory, not even regulatory, but just change within our red fishing limits. Um, currently there is a five fish limit, um, with no boat limit and no guide limit. Um, and that's that to me, that just seems like a lot of fish. Anyone that isn't even related to Georgia red fishing that you mentioned that to, um, whether you keep fish or not, um, that's, that's a lot of fish. Um, you know, you can look at, a lot of different things, um, as reasons for being why we want to potentially change the red fishing. There's arguments on how to fix the problem. Um, you know, the big change we're seeing right now, I think, and what guides like me that have been doing this a lot longer than I have, have seen over the years is kind of the depletion of our overslot, um, redfish along our, our, our flats along the coast. Um, and you could almost look at them as the canaries in the coal mine. Um, because that means that we're potentially having a lot less fish make it out of the slot. Um, once they, 
they're, they're in the slot for a few years before they're able to grow out of it. So they're being targeted quite a lot. Um, and if those fish aren't making it out of the slot, then they're not making it to become, you know, breeders essentially. And our breeders can live for a very long time. Um, and so it's kind of like what they talk about the, the gap in the workforce with the baby members, um, less people are having kids. So, um, as we go through our lives, we're going to have less people on the workforce, but this society is still growing. So we have less people working, but a higher demand. And to me, that's what we're going to start seeing with our redfish is more demand in fishing, but we have less returning fish breeding and putting new fish back into our fisheries. Um, you know, when you, when you get everybody on that same page, you could come up and in the same room to talk about problems with redfish, you could come up with a lot of different solutions on how to fix the problem, whether it's eliminate trawling for shrimp in the sounds, um, more enforcement on the water, regulating people in their catches, um, or dropping limits. But the big thing right now is to at least get everyone on the same page with acknowledging that we need to have some kind of change. Um, you know, the, the five fish limit was put into effect in 1991. Um, it's 2022. Um, a, the, Creel was adjusted in 2001. It's 2022. Um, so to say that there hasn't been a huge growth of people fishing along the coast in those 20 to 30 years since there's been change, um, it's 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 not arguable. Um, and especially now, pre-COVID, post-COVID, excuse me, um, there are more people moving out of cities and moving to coastlines or moving to the water. There's more people fishing. There's more people outside. Um, there's been somewhat of a, I think it's between like seven, six and 700% um, growth along the coastline of Georgia, people buying saltwater fishing licenses. Um, well, and that's a, that's a trackable number. Um, so it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a, a cry for help as much as a, like, Hey, everybody just kind of look at what we're talking about here and see if this makes sense to you. Um, because right now it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think I'm crazy for thinking that because there's a lot of people that agree with me. Um, but we're trying to get the people that can make that change to acknowledge that, you know, regulatory change is not a bad thing. Um, when you look at the immense diversity along our coastline, we have, I think a third of the entire um, marsh grass along the Eastern seaboard is in the state of Georgia in 90 miles. Um, we should have one of the most thriving red fisheries along the, along the coastline from Virginia, all the way down to Florida. Um, but if you look at how, when people are booking redfish trips, um, in my industry and in the fly fishing industry is specifically along the coastline, Georgia's not really the top of the list. Um, you know, South Carolina is very well known for its red fishery and its sport fishery. Um, Florida is very well known as a sport fishery. Um, but we don't seem to be managing our fishery. I feel like in my mind as a sport fishery, as much as we're managing it, um, as a meat fishery for people to come grocery shopping. And, and like I said, in the beginning, I'm not trying to eliminate people being able to eat redfish. Like I grew up on them. My dad grew up on them. My grandfather grew up on them. My, my grandfather was a charter boat captain down in Amelia Island, um, back in the late seventies and eighties. Um, my stepfather here in Georgia raised me fishing the beach for redfish. Um, and a lot of the older guys don't understand the problem because they, they have their spots they've been going to for years and they're, they can still sustain them. But you know, the ones that are out on the flats, those fish that are sight fishing that are somewhat the easiest to find are starting to disappear. Um, and looking at the DNR, they do a report card every year. Um, and last year it was they had a 40% return on stocks of redfish, which obviously is you get a 40 in school, you're bailing. Um, but this year they had a hundred percent return and we did have a great fish fishing fall last year. There was a great return of fish entering the um, the slot and being caught and reported on. Um, and that's great. But if you look at the downward trend over the years of that cyclical back and forth of slow years and busy years, it's still a downward trend. Um, and to do nothing is, is just, that's what we've been doing. And 
I think if we did something, um, acknowledge the problem, acknowledge that there's some kind of change that needs to happen, we could, you know, better our fishery, we could grow our fishery, we could, you know, look at the money, the amount of money that our fishery brings to this state. Um, and I, th I think we could continue that and have more fish for our kids to be able to enjoy um, and, and more profit for our, our state to be able to put back into our fisheries and make them more successful. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to, so there, there's several things that, the, that you brought up in that. And so first, first of all, it, it's, you know, to not a, a adjust, um, what is it? The, the regulation in, in 20 years when it's very obvious that the, the number of anglers has increased. And I, I, I didn't jot down the stat, but I mean, you can see it in the number of saltwater fishing licenses, the increase. So we know there's just with, without, you know, any sort of, it, it's common sense. I mean, ultimately it's like, okay, well, if we're going to have more anglers targeting these fish, then at some point we're going to need to adjust how many they can take. And I'm with you. I mean, I, look, I, I'm, I'll eat a redfish. No, no problem. Um, but at the same time, it seems very uh, just simple math that well, we can't keep taking this number when we're seeing this downward trend and and return on stocks. And, and I think on a, on a bigger scale, I mean, it, it's going to, guess what folks, <laughs> the, the world population is increasing and we have finite resources. So if we're not accounting for population growth, uh, then we're doing future generations a disservice. And in, in my opinion, um, but there, there's a few other nuggets that, that you threw out that's, that's crazy. So Georgia has got a 90-mile coastline, but has a third of the salt marsh on the, the east coast. Is, is, that, is that right? Yeah, it's something like I'm, I'm not a huge numbers guy, um, yep. but that it's something along those lines. I will also add into that that we are building out a website right now. It's called georgiasaltwater.org, um, and that is where we're going to have you know, all of this information plus numbers, plus the, the very minimal science that is provided to us, that has been provided to us um, to kind of show and explain kind of what we are talking about. Um, but like you said, it is, it's, it seems like common sense. And the, the goal here is to not fault anyone. We aren't trying to say that DNR is not doing their job. We're not trying to say that you know, questions anyone's um, ethics or their their ability to do their job. We're trying to say that as a group of regular recreational anglers and guides fishing along the coast, most of which have been doing it for a lot longer than I have, um, are seeing the change. We are out there every day, every weekend, um, fishing these waters, targeting these fish, which are our state redfish, our state fish. This is the fish that is Every, I mean, you grew up in school learning about your state bird, your state tree, your state flower, your state fish, and it was something to be held with pride. So to think that this is our state fish, the, the redfish, and no other state that is better at redfishing than us even has that as their, their state fish. It is our state fish. Why haven't we put it up on a pedestal? Why, why have we, you know, we did make it a game fish status, so you can't commercially fish for them in Georgia waters, which is, I think, a great step into protecting them. Um, but like I said, when you have a 90 mile coast, but the size of our state, the amount of people traveling um, to the coastline to target these fish to then hopefully be able to bring them back. Um, it's, it's just astronomical how many, how many people, um, and this isn't a fishing guide saying there's too many people fishing on the waters these days. Now I have a hard time catching fish. It has nothing to do with me because if the solution was for me to quit fishing, I would do it, but I'm a catch and release angler. I do not keep redfish. Um, but we're still seeing these fish not return to these flats. Uh, we're still seeing these fish completely disappear off these flats. Um, sometimes within weeks, sometimes within a season, um, you know, it's just, 
like you said, it's, it, it seems like common sense, but sometimes it feels like what we are saying is falling on death ears within the parameters of which we've been saying it for years. So that's why we're trying to get our voice out there and heard to kind of spread the word and bring attention to this issue, um, to just shed more light on it and get more answers, um, and, and to be shown, um, better and more, um, in-depth science about our state fish. Yeah. So the, a couple of things I'll, We'll just have to throw this out there because you mentioned CCA and I did this, the same thing. I, I, I joined the CCA board when I moved back to Savannah and um, was on the board when we got game fish status. Yep. And what was really cool about that. And, and, and it seems to me what Georgia saltwater anglers association is doing was it's just bringing awareness to it. Like, I, I just don't think that most people are even aware of it. You know, they just don't even think about it. And so once you, which is what y'all are doing, which is great, you know, it's just like, Hey, like, look, I'm just saying, you know, call, call me crazy, but we can't increase the number of anglers and not adjust limits. Like, and it, and to me, it makes a lot of sense you know, I know every state is going to have its own regulations, but if you've got a two redfish per boat limit in South Carolina, I think it's six in South Carolina per boat is the max you can keep, but it's two per Correct. angler. Correct. And similar regulation in North Carolina, and then a similar regulation in Florida. It doesn't it just kind of seem like you would want to be consistent with that if they're if they're you know people are coming people come to charleston to redfish like they 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 travel to come here to to redfish it's a known fishery i grew up in savannah it's a great red fishery but i don't think that people are coming there to target redfish i, I might be wrong but the it, it just it's just not as well known i guess and the, i think to your point, and you know, there's a reason for that. It's because the, the stocks decline and they know that there's there's better fishing elsewhere, potentially. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and you could and then the 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 counter to that is that to the people that do understand, because there is a, a growth of movement, um, and you can ask any fishing guide in on the along the coast that you know, I've had more inquiries for trips this year than I've ever had all the guys I know are busier than they ever have. And it's because people have realized that they can come to this coastline and, and keep more fish. Um, and you talk to a lot of the anglers, um, they put a DNR put out a survey, um, at the beginning of this year, um, a general angler survey to get the, a grasp on, um, kind of public perspective. And, um, you know, you ask a bunch of people right after a good fall fishing, how the fishing is, and they come to the state, or come to the coast to fish with fishing guides, whose job is to put them on fish, they're going to have a very good opinion on what the fishing is like along the coast in Georgia, because um, they just caught a bunch of fish. Um, but it goes back to the lesson I learned when I was starting a guide is anyone can be a good fishing guide when the fishing's good. Um, and that's what it's like in the fall. You know, people always ask like, when's the best time to fish in Georgia? When's the best time to fish almost anywhere in the fall? Um, right. You get cooling water temperatures, less people on the water, um, fish are hungry. They, they want to, they want to feast before a long cold winter. Um, so whether you're guiding in Montana, um, down in Louisiana for redfish, Georgia coast, um, most fisheries, um, are the most successful in the fall. It's the, the fish, you know, you know, people joke in Georgia that you can catch a redfish on a shoestring. It's not that inaccurate. Um, but if we're only aiming to have good fishing in the fall, you know, what could our fishing be like the rest of the year? What, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, yeah, I think that the, it, it to me is just, I, I'm, I'm still like, can't get over the, the number of fishing licenses sold and, 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 and the limit hadn't changed. I mean, I just, I can't get past that. Like that, that's just still mind blowing to me. 
Yeah. And to me, that's, that's the best argument we have right now because um, we don't, we don't own the science. We, you know, DNR has science out there on their returning stocks. And I know they've been trying to work on a tagging program for overslot redfish, but the, 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 the thing you can't argue is population growth. Um, there it's proven those numbers are out there. Um, and it's, it's in, and it's not saying that anyone has done anything wrong. It's just saying, Hey, let's take a look at this and go, all right, well, you know, if you, you know, had this certain amount of returning inventory every year, I brought this up earlier and you had it allotted to this many people, but that many people grew by over 700%. You might need to start regulate how much of that inventory they're allowed to keep. So everyone could have somewhat of a fair share at it. Um, and that inventory wasn't completely depleted. Um, and so it's, you know, it like, it seems like simple math and I, and I know that it is, and it's, you know, simple common sense, um, change, but the thing with, um, our local fisheries is that, you know, what I've been told and what I know is that we are unique within our fisheries management in Georgia, that we can make change. They can make change. The people that are you know, working within the fisheries management programs can make regulatory change. Um, and what's unique with them compared to other states is they can do it without having to go through the government. They can, you know, they wanted to say tomorrow it's now a two fish red fish rule. They can. Their issue with that is that if they get a lot of um, public negative feedback from that, they could potentially lose that ability. Mm. But to have the ability and to not utilize it by any means um is a waste um and so that's that's kind of a, a thing to shed some light on is that we have the ability to make regulatory change with very little um effort but to say that we don't want to make that change because we're worried of the consequences of the change uh, that it, it seems um, like a bad excuse. Yeah. Well, per- particularly when, you know, the, the health of, a, of an entire fishery is at stake. Like, you know, it's a short-term solution of, hey, we're not going to ruffle any feathers because we don't want to deal with the backlash from, you know, the, you know, folks that are, you know, catching their limit every time they redfish. Um, and then, you know, another 20 years goes by and like you said, there's a downward trend. So at what point, you know, is it, can it, can it, can it, can it bounce back? And it's not going to, if, if, if changes aren't made. Um, so yeah, so what, what are, where you mentioned earlier, the, What's the new website and 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 all? Because the I mean, website is going to be launched soon. Um, it's georgiasaltwater.org. But until then, we do have an Instagram page, uh, Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association. Uh, we just created a Facebook page um, called the same, um, and then we have a email set up already called join us at georgiasaltwater.org. Um, so for any inquiries, um, we've sent out hundreds of letters to legislatures um, kind of showing our concern um, with the offer that anyone wants to get out on the water and, and kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to quantify what we're talking about and going out on the water for one trip. Um, But to be able to get out on the water and see the water and see the environment of which we're talking about and how, I mean, I used to guide in Montana and I have people continually ask me like, how did you leave that? Um, And it's, you know, Montana is a wonderful, beautiful place and there's nowhere else in the world like it. Um, but you come out on the water with me at sunrise on the coast of Georgia. Um, it's, there's, there's not a lot of things that are, that would be what that is like. Um, we have, you know, within this, our, our, you know, city, you know, we have a great tourism in Savannah. Um, you're in the middle of a city right downtown and to be able to, from 30, 45 minutes from the city to be out in the marshes, um, away from civilization with very little sounds of civilization and be able to, you know, fish in these remarkable environments. Um, it's not a hard thing to convince someone how important it is to protect it. Um, 
And that's, that's the thing is getting people out there, getting, letting them know, like, it's not just going out and catching a couple of fish and coming in. It's, it's an experience to be had by all. Um, and, and I'm concerned that that experience is dwindling, um, and, and becoming, um, harder to attain when it comes to finding these fish and keeping them healthy, um, because they're a very small part in our ecosystem along this coast. Um, you know, when I created this, the whole, the main goal was to, you know, and our main goal and only goal until we do implement change is to focus primarily on redfish, but they're not the only fish in our inshore fisheries. And they're not the only ones that need our help. They're the ones that we have identified in my mind and the people I'm working with, um, that need the most help at the moment. Um, but it's not, it doesn't just stop there. It, it it's, it's the entire, um, ecosystem and they're a small, but large part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's, I, I, I agree and will completely dote on, on the low country and how beautiful and special it is here. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the, the state of Georgia, you know, has a ton of like more or less the barrier islands on the state of Georgia are owned by the state and are protected. Um, and so, you know, I had a similar experience and when I uh, moved back from, from Wyoming and, you know, we would go out on some of these barrier islands off the coast of Savannah and you, there's points like, you know, we'd, we'd hop off and go on the beach and kind of just go like explore and walk around and stuff. And there's, there's points that you get where you, you don't see any development and it's as wild as, as anything in Wyoming, you know, or, or Montana. I mean, there's, there, there are places that are still undeveloped and more or less untouched from a development standpoint um, that are, that are out there and are on the Georgia coast. But to your point, there are more anglers out there. So you got to do something about it. And I think it's really cool that, that y'all are, uh, have started this and who, who, who else is in, involved with, with Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association? Uh, so, you know, there, there are definitely too many people involved to name because there's a lot of people involved that are, um, you know, just regular either guides or recreational anglers that are just very impassioned and have actually been working on this for a very long time. But directly with the organization right now, it's myself, uh, Jared DeVincent um, down in St. Simons, um, Sue Inman with 100 miles, and then uh, Captain Scott Dykes. Um, who's down in Shellman's Bluff. Um, but, you know, Jared runs a local fly shop down at St. Simon's um, and uh, is an a incredibly wonderful, um, very impassioned angler. Um, Sue has been involved in nonprofits um, and, and getting voices out there for a long time. And Scott's been fishing this coast for uh, 20 to 30 years. Um, and has been trying to find a voice and, um, and that's kind of what, you know, when I started this organization, it was, you know, there's Florida keys has a guides association. Um, and we looked at doing a guides association, but we wanted something that wasn't really inclusive to anyone, um, in particular, and really could anybody can be part of. So that's kind of what we're working on right now is a, a pledge for guides to be involved. Um, but anyone and everyone can be involved. Um, and like I said, there, you know, a lot, a lot of this did not start with me. Um, I just saw my opportunity in my experiences and what I've been through, um, as, and also with what I'm able to do as far as making a profit, targeting these fish as a, to be my responsibility to, um, to do something about it. And so using the platform that I have my years of experience in the industry, um, as a, as a way to be able to kind of make some of this come to light to people, um, is just, you know, I feel like my, my quote unquote civic duty. Yep. No, that's, I mean, 
I wish there were there were more people and uh, out there like you that that are, that are understand that you know that that there's uh, that you should protect what you love and and what you benefit from and um, yeah I think I think it's awesome um, yeah and I and I think there are I think there I think the reality is is um, there are a lot of people out there that um, that feel this way but you know they don't have platforms. They don't understand their buddy that grew up in Savannah, you know, known for a long time that spent time fishing the keys together. Doesn't have an incredible podcast that is known throughout our industry. So, you know, that's when you have that opportunity, that's when it's time for, you know, us as anglers to be able to step up and and to try to figure out how to get that voice out there. Um, So it's, you know, it's being able to work with incredible people. Um, We just got to, article published in Southern culture on the fly an online fly fishing magazine that has close to 30,000 subscribers about the redfish issue as well. A good friend of ours, David Christman wrote it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just putting this to light. It's giving someone more information than they had before and letting them come to their own conclusion. We're not trying to say that this is the, our way or the highway. It's let's give you all the information and let you decide what you think is the right way to move. And, um, you know, DNR's answer to this is, is for us to do what we're doing in all reality. Um, you know, when their science that they have does not show enough of an issue for them to make change, they do look to the public's opinion to make change. And so, um, a few of us screaming at them at board meetings, which actually has not happened, um, to get changed isn't how change happens. It's a few of us working together to get our word out to say, Hey, we think there's a problem who agrees with us. And then if we can get enough people that agree with us, that can look at the science and look at what they have and look at what we have and the numbers and make an educated, um, opinion, um, on this situation, then we have the potential to make change. It's not, like I said, it's not a, you know, if, if they can come to us and say, Nope, we've done all the science and here it is proof that there are just as many redfish as there were back in 1991. And there's no reason to make change. We'll, we'll shut up, but we don't, there's, we, that we do not believe that that is, that exists. Um, you know, we're, and we're willing to help with making that science happen, whether it's getting them out on the boats or showing them, um, you know, they they do have tagging programs in place. Um, but, you know, other options too are looking at stocking programs. We don't stock in the state of Georgia, but they do in, in South Carolina. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And instead of trying to get bogged down in all the solutions, because I think there could be a lot of different solutions and a lot of different opinions on them. We're trying to just get people focused on the fact that there is an actual problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, just be aware of this. Here's some information. I think it's a good approach. Yeah. Um, We're not trying to breathe an agenda down anyone's neck or anyone's throat. Um, We're just trying to make sure the people that have been elected and put in place by the governments that we vote into place are being held accountable for what their job entails. Just like we're all held accountable for what our jobs entail and the reason we are able to keep our jobs. Um, And that's that's what we're trying to do is figure out that make sure that everything is being done that can be done to protect our fisheries. Yeah. I love it. Um all right. So hang on, let's 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 shift gears here a little bit, right? Because yeah. um, you know, to me, like that's you know, it's inspiring just to see people taking action. So thank you for for doing that. I know that there's a like you said, there's a lot of other folks in, involved, but uh, my hat is off to y'all. I did not know. I, I I learned a lot from from this. I didn't know some of that. I'm from Savannah, so I, I can imagine that there are uh, lots of other folks like me. And so just shedding some light on this, I think, is really helpful. Um, so thank you for that, but. While we're here, right, it's the sustainable angler, uh, we need to talk a little fishing. Um, so, you know, Chad, you and I have fished together. Um, 
in, in the Everglades. And um, I don't know that we've gotten out on the water in, in Georgia yet, but I'm sure we will. Um, but what are, what are some of your uh, favorite redfish flies since we're talking about redfish? Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sort of start there and, and go from there. Yeah, for sure. So I run a local fly shop. Um, and so that's a question that I get asked almost daily. Um, what, what flies are the redfish eating right now? And the beauty of redfish, you know, I remember the first saltwater fly fishing, um, redfish film ever saw was in, I think like the 2011 fly fishing film tour. Um, they were fishing the Louisiana coast and, you know, they kind of joke that redfish are kind of the, the gateway drug to fly fishing. Um, <laughs> because they're kind of looked at as a, an easier target, but it's, I kind of look at it as they're not so much an easier target in saltwater fly fish, but they're the easiest to, they're the, they're most widespread saltwater fish to target on fly target, target in general. But I mean, you can find them all along the Southeastern coast, all the way into the Gulf to Texas. Um, you know, they're, they're a fish that you can catch up to 14 inches. They're a fish you can catch up to 45 pounds. So they, there's a lot of variety in where you fish for them and how you fish for them. Um, and the, the type of angler you can be to fish for them. So they are a fish that get a lot of love because they have a lot of love to give. They're a tough fish. You don't have to be gentle with them. Um, you can catch redfish that have one eye. Uh, we've caught, I've caught a blind redfish before you can catch them with broken backs, um, talon marks all in them. They're a tough fish. Um, but to say that, you know, in the fall time, like I said earlier, like you can catch them on a, a shoestring when they're, when they're, they're a typical fish, when they're turned on, it doesn't really matter what fly you throw at them. Um, no. but when they're turned off, sometimes it does, still doesn't matter what fly you throw at them because they're still not going to eat it. But my general rule of thumb to this very long answer to this very short question <laughs> is it's really more, um, size of the fly and the color of the fly, yeah. um, as much as the pattern you can make, you know, as many rubber legs on there and, you know, weight and heavy eyes, light eyes, um, you know, that comes into effect a little bit, but for me, I keep two different, really just two different types of flies in my fly box. I keep natural and purple. Um, you can go in between there with a few other variations. Some people use olives and oranges in the fall. Um, but my general rule of thumb is if it's, sunny and clear water and the sky sun's high in the, in the, in the sky. Um, I try to go more natural patterns, a, a color that's not going to necessarily freak the fish out when it sees it. Um, in the fall, it maybe not matter because they're so aggressive in general that the, the, as soon as I see it, they hit it. Um, and then if I'm fishing early morning or late evening or murkier water or fishing in the grass, flood tide fishing, I'll typically throw a black and purple, um, something that's going to contrast really well um, stick out, grab that fish's attention if it's busy feeding in the water and stuff like that. Um, so it's, to me, it comes down to a lot of color variation within either light and dark. Um, but then another important back to flies, especially fishing low country for redfish, um, whether you're fishing the grass around oyster eggs is weed guards. Um, it doesn't matter what color the fly is or what size is or how much weight's on it. If you don't have a weed guard, um, you might as well not fish that fly because you're going to spend more time getting that fly unhooked from the grass. Um, the amount of times that you'll go to cast a fish and you'll go to strip and it strips into a, an oyster and you've literally got to spook that fish to get the fly out um, and ruin your shot. So weed guards are um, just as important as any other aspect of the fly. Um, and we, you know, anybody that doesn't know weed guards, just a little piece of monofilament that drops down from the eye of the hook to kind of protect the, uh, the fly from being caught on uh, various things underwater. Yeah, that's, that is solid advice. If you're uh, trying to come to the low country to, to, to redfish, um, especially with the weed are impossible. Like it's just not, that's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I know you get around a little bit too. Um, where, where have you been? recently any any uh fun fishing trips um this year i've only been to um i went fish new orleans in february with captain greg dini um 
you know, people like to laugh a lot that a red fishing guide in Georgia travels to New Orleans, but I can, New Orleans is kind of the Montana for redfish. Um, yeah. you know, you can catch, you can catch trout in Georgia, but if you really want to test your skills as an angler, you're going to go to Montana and, and fish true wild, um, you know, open, open water, um, for, for, you know, bigger, nicer trout. And the same reason you go to Louisiana, it's, it's fun just to co-catch big fish and, and on big flies sometimes. Um, you know, I, I was really fortunate back in 2013, I was able to guide down in Patagonia, um, and then spend a little time guiding in Asheville. Um, I'm going to St. John in a few weeks to go do some, some fishing down there. Um, hoping to do, get into a little bit of permit or, uh, excuse me, tarpon. Um, and then, you know, right now we just had the Cobia fly invitational up in Beaufort. We just fished, um, which was that. very, it's a very tough tournament. Um, it's a sight fishing inshore Cobia tournament, which is a very, very unique thing. Um, but, um, sometimes conditions lead to terrible fishing. And that was a perfect example this past weekend. Um, uh, one thing I started now five years ago is the Savannah fly invitational here along the Georgia coast. Um, and so this will be year five of that. It is an invite only fly, uh, fly tournament. It's the only fly fishing saltwater tournament in Georgia. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, the goal with starting the tournament was more to just have a reason to invite a bunch of my friends to come fish a tournament together and get a bunch of cool prizes from throughout the industry and, and kind of celebrate, um, what I think is a pretty unique fishery along the Georgia coast. Um, from the beginning, I've been trying to find an organization that I wanted to work with to be able to raise money. Um, and there was just not one that I felt like what I wanted to give the money for, which was to essentially do what we're doing with Georgia saltwater angle association, um, to be able to give them money to help fight that fight. And so that's kind of where the idea of the GSA came out of was, okay, well, I can't find anyone that I want to work with specifically on this problem that I know that it'll definitely go towards that problem. So let's, let's do it on our own. So, um, this will be the first year that, you know, any proceeds, um, from the tournament will go to that. Um, and that's going to help, you know, fund this website, um, fund, you know, these events that we're looking to put together, um, along the coast to kind of bring awareness, get people out on the water, um, send out letters to legislatures, um, you know, we've all started what we've done now on our own and out of our own pockets and from logo creation to website design. Um, fortunately, Jared has a social media company, um, marketing company. So he has incredible assets at his, at his, at his um, disposal to be able to get a lot of this stuff done. And um, with our connections in the industry, you know, we've been able to reach out and get a lot of help from people. But, you know, it, it's it's not a cheap endeavor. We're definitely not asking for money, but we definitely have people that have already inquired about how they can get involved and help. And that's kind of where we're moving forward to, um, and being able to kind of create and grow this into something that's, um, that's actually, um, able to be, um, to to show growth and, and, and make change. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's awesome. Um, and I'll also say having, uh, been fortunate to, to have been invited to fish in the Savannah fly invitational, that tournament is so fun. Um, and I'll, I also like just because obviously this is the sustainability component to it all. It's more or less as a, a zero waste event, which is cool. Um, and like the, I don't know what you call it, if it's the after party, but more or less the, the award ceremony and low country boil and all that um, is, is zero waste. There's reusable water bottles and coolers. And um, so I'll just say that I personally appreciate that. Um, it's a nice, nice touch to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that more... Uh, just in general, right? Not just with what Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association is doing, but anything when when you you know you're you're passionate about it and you're protecting something that you love and you're taking action. At the end of the day, it just feels good. 
And so you know that you're 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 motivated and you're doing it for the right reasons. And it's what is best for the fishery. And I think that anyone who uh, travels to Georgia to to fish or lives in Georgia and isn't isn't aware of this, I would definitely encourage you to check out uh, Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association on Instagram, Facebook. Um, sounds like the website's coming out. It's going to be georgiasaltwater.org. Um, what else am I, am I missing, Chad? Um, how, um, can, how can people get in touch with you? And learn- have, um, you know, we have the, one of the cool things is um, myself, I run Rivers and Glen Trading Company in Savannah. Um, Jared, who's essentially the vice president of GSA with me, um, he owns On the Fly Outfitters and Brunswick, just outside of St. Simons. So feel free to stop in any of those shops. We have Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association stickers to hand out to people. Love to have a convert, open, honest conversation with you guys about, you know, any questions you may have. Um, you can email um, us at join us at georgiasaltwater.org. Um, my personal email is chat at talltidescharters.com. Um, but there's one quote that Fly Lords posted on their Instagram the other day from Chris Wood, who's a CEO of Trout Unlimited, that I think is a, a very good quote. And it says, it took a dedicated group of people at the local level to turn those issues into a national issues, and then they never gave up. And that was him talking about how the creation of Trout Unlimited started. And that's all this is. This is a, a group of anglers, whether they're guides or regular recreational anglers that see the problem, see that there is potentially somewhat of a solution that could be come to. And we're just trying to get that acknowledged um, and get the word out there and have good, open and honest conversations about it and, and how to move forward. No, that's awesome. Well, Chad, I, I appreciate um, everything that, that you're doing and appreciate everything the Georgia Saltwater Anglers Association is doing. Um, and yeah, thanks for your time and um, look forward to, to seeing you sometime soon. Yeah, brother. Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler and special thanks to Captain Chad DuBose for all he is doing to protect what he loves. Um, If you like what you're hearing, it really helps the show out a lot. If you could leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out the sustainableangler.com for all of our episodes, uh, our blog, as well as some TSA merch. Uh, Thanks and hope you all have a good one.